Radio. Are you looking for veteran resources and peer support? Objective Zero has an app for that. Download the Objective Zero app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Access wellness resources like yoga and a free year subscription to Headspace, the world's most popular meditation app. Check out veterans' resources and access our nationwide network of peer support. Speak to fellow women veterans or someone in your field and branch of service. You get to choose who you want to chat with. Learn more at www.objectivezero.org. That's www.objectivezero.org. Nothing to watch on TV. That's why you're listening to Barrett Talk on TVRadio.net. WDVR. This ain't reality TV. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. It was at this moment that he knew he fucked up. Well, isn't that special? Bloody, don't you think you should rephrase that? Mama said, my mama said, mama said that. My mom. Good day, sir. Now class is dismissed, gentlemen. Please remember the views and opinions expressed by this show or any other show on DV Radio and its guests are strictly those of said individuals and do not reflect those of the DV Radio staff nor the staff of dysfunctional veterans. I am the first dick in your ear, Boner Wood, so it's going to be a hard one tonight. Now, God damn it, Boner, that's just not even fair. This is Barracks Talk. This is inside the nut house, man. We got Sergeant Wardog. Oh, I just broke out of the rubber room, dog. The bacon man himself, oink. You are truly putting the D in the B when it comes to DV radio. Mr. Recall. I prefer to be referred to as belly and down. And don't know where the fuck Google is. I told you it's my computer, it's not me. That's exactly how I feel. We probably had a few too many to drink, you know what <laughs> 20 bucks, 20 bucks. Can I get a thimble full of sweet baby rays, please? We don't have it. Saturday's going to be even more entertaining. Illogical. You still have the DD radio store for those wondering. Shit's still there. You can buy shit. Mine shit's good, okay? Oh, we haven't even gotten there yet. You fucking got me there already. Love and military barracks talking around this smoke. How's your back feeling after that penis reduction? Oh. <laughs> You're tuned in to WDVR on DVRadio.net. Because this is how it is on DV Radio. That is how it is right here on WDVR, DVRadio.net. It's September 23rd, 2023. This is Talk Live. You're listening to us on podcast. Almost major podcast platforms, you know, like the assholes over at Spotify that didn't want us on. Then they finally added us. And then you got iTunes, that Google Play podcast thingamajig. You got Samsung podcast. And all kinds of other places. Just just look for us. Just type in DV Radio Podcast and you're going to find us. Or you can go to dvradio.net and click on uh, one of those things up there. Ways to listen. That's the thing you click on and you can <laughs> find a way to listen. I forgot what I named the damn thing. Anyway. <laughs> I'm say a man creates the damn website, forgets what he's doing. Look, I've, I've slept since then at least an hour. All right. So fuck <laughs> you. Um, I'm Bonerwood tonight from Alaska. It's the frozen pig man himself. I don't, I don't think it's too cold up there, but it's Mr. Oink. It's getting there, man. The termination dust is reached the mountains and is slowly working its fucking way down. And everything is now brown and, and turning leaves and falling. And yeah, we had our, you know, week of fall and we're, we're headed into winter. So basically the, the summer Yeti came out, shit on everything. And now it's turned into snow. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then back in our neck of the woods, it's the Amish man himself, the man whose balls I forgot to cup the past couple of weeks. It's Mr. Recoil. Good evening, all. 
He sounds so enthusiastic. He must have been eating pretzels. <laughs> I am enthusiastic. We have a great guest tonight, and I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. Me too, man. And I don't know if his internet's cooperating at the moment, but it's none other than the Marine Crown Eater Psych Ward Gang Supervisor himself, Sergeant Wardog. Psych Ward Gang, baby. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's been a long week. Fuck you all. Have a nice night. That's the end of that. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Calm down. I'm joking. Uh, so we have a lot going on tonight. I say that it, it's not, but we have a very interesting show. I know it's going to be interesting because we've already had fun in the pre-show and it may or may not make it to the pre-show podcast on our Substack which you can click on the newsletter sign up. And if you're a paid contributor, you will get to hear that podcast coming up very, very soon. I think I've already got like an hour of stuff for you guys to listen to. So I might split it up in a half hours. I don't know yet. I'm still contemplating that. Anyway, let's start off with Mr. Oink. How's your week been, sir? Oh, you know, living the dream up here in Alaska. Like I said, uh, we enjoyed our one week of fall. It's pretty much becoming winter. I mean, it's it's there. So, uh, we switched shifts. We are now, uh, over on the winter job. We got two weeks of days and then we switched to our shifts where I'll be working, you know, graves again and, you know, trying to figure out what's night, what's day, what's up, what's down, you know, the typical. I hear you. I hear you. Before I forget, uh, I did say we've got a lot of stuff going on this week and, uh, the last, uh, free shipping, uh, promo that we had on the store some of you were having issues uh they should be resolved now so if you go over there to dvradio.net and click on the dv radio store you can get 20 percent off now through september 28th and while you're over there we have a new design called grab your cupcakes it's for breast cancer awareness month coming up it, it's cute it's funny it's, it's got some camo in it it's pink it's blue and orange and it's it's just cute I had fun making it. Uh, and then obviously we've got the DV farms, DV six and Gabby Sue, Fafo, uh, PTS dogs, uh, stuff. We got Sergeant War Dog stuff. Veterans don't shoot blanks. Go buy one right now. Um, <laughs> but you have until September 28th, uh, at dvradio.net. Click on the DV radio store, get 20% off all your orders right now. And if you did have issues, uh, last week with the, uh, free shipping, we do apologize, but hopefully that 20% will somehow make up for it. If it doesn't, I apologize. Shit happens. It's not our store. It's a third party. We don't have the money to, to, to do our own store because you guys won't buy shit. You assholes. <laughs> Fuck you all. No, I'm joking. We love you all. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, whether you listen or, or you buy or, or whatever. Uh, we, we seriously do appreciate you guys sticking with us since, uh, it's almost been 10 years now. It's 2023. Next year will be 10 years. Should we do something for the 10th anniversary? I don't fucking know. We'll figure it out when it happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sergeant Wardog, how's your week been, brother? Ah, uh, pretty uneventful, bro. Just, uh, doing the suburban dad thing, you know, uh, taking the kids to school, cheerleading, gymnastics, uh, no VA appointments. Yeah, just just doing the suburban dad thing down here in Florida, bro. Awesome. How's your kids liking uh, school this year so far? Oh, they're loving it, man. Um, my youngest is in kindergarten, and uh, my oldest is a freshman in high school. So we have the beginnings of you know two uh, two different levels this year. Man, that's that's got to be a fucking trip for you, brother. Holy shit! 
<laughs> it's got to be fun though, right? Oh yeah, always, bro. Even even in the in the fucked up moments, it's got to be like you know what? I like this. I I, I can yeah. be a dad. I can be a suburban dad. I got this. But but more in the Sergeant War Dog speak, right? I got this, man. I got suburban dad. Mm. I got this job. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I sound that bad, bro. <laughs> no, both sounds that bad. I love you, man. I fucking love you, dog. Oh, man. Let's go back up to uh, Amish country. Mr. Recoil, how's your week been, brother? Well, you know, just wearing my black hat, you know. Um, no, I've been working my ass off, <laughs> as usual. Um, you don't work. Shut up. Don't lie no, to I these just, people. I just hang out with my dog and drink coffee. <laughs> But no, life is life is good, man. Life is good. Good, good. How's the uh, weather this year up there? Well, it's been raining all day. It's going to rain for like the next eight days. Mm-hmm. So it looks. Um, but you know, we could use it. I should have thrown some grass seed down in the backyard. Well, you know, I had, I did that big project last year. Yeah, and I got I got grass started, and it did pretty good over the summer here. But it really needs overseeded. And if I would have had time, I should have did, done that before I got eight days of rain up here. Yeah, I think it was uh, yesterday. My mom went out and she done some of the the pesticides. It's it's all natural shit. Y'all don't worry. It ain't gonna hurt nobody. But uh, she went out and done it, and I was like, you should have waited until Monday. <laughs> at least Monday, you don't have as much rain happening, and you can you know, get into the ground. But. Like you said, shit happens. Oh, fuck. Anyway. Yes, it's, it's been a week. Uh, nothing oh. bad. Uh, I, I am lacking on newsletters. I don't think we've had one this month. So I'll try to get over there and get one up. And hopefully I can have the pre-show podcast ready for those that, uh, donate. Uh, we're trying to find other ways to give back to those that actually, uh, contribute monetarily. Um, in some way, shape, or form. I know it's not a lot, but hopefully, uh, it, it's it's something to uh, so so you know you're actually giving to something that's worth it. Because <laughs> God knows our asses ain't. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, Mr. Fed, Mrs. Fed, it Fed. I hope you're having a fucking awful weekend because you're listening to us again. But that's just me. Um, <laughs> Uh, has anybody heard from, uh, uh, Mayhem, Miss, Mrs. Mayhem, Mr. Mayhem lately? Like, uh, I am not. Uh, seeing was a little bit active there on the old X or was formerly mm-hmm. known as Twitter. Yes. But other than that, um, no, I haven't uh, conversed with them, you know, lately. I did uh, have a little discussion with Mrs. Fester. She's doing good. Um, awesome. The things have changed. Uh, and I'll let her tell that if she wants to tell her that story. So yeah, when she's she doing well, she's back at her house and, uh, you know, living life. Awesome. Also, Oink, I need you to get those books signed so people will quit asking me when the fuck their books is <laughs> going to get there. Yes. I actually did get with Carla. I do have her, uh, cell phone number and I will text her and, uh, meet up with her sometime and get this, get this done. Uh, we tried to last weekend, I think it was, but, uh, yeah, of course. You know, Penny, her daughter, did not want to cooperate, so <laughs> that fell through. But uh, it's always the kids. Fault, ain't it? I know, right? <laughs> but no, we would def- we would definitely uh, get those signed and get those out to everybody, and maybe uh, throw a little something extra. Yep, 
Uh, that's why I haven't reached out to anybody to get your address. It's because we haven't got the books signed. As soon as they show up at my house, I'll get uh, some extra stuff, throw it in there for you guys, and we'll send them out. I'm sorry it's taken so long. That's why we haven't had another giveaway. 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 That's why we've not had another giveaway. I am a Muppet from fucking Sesame Street now. Thank you, Jim Hansen. Anyway, um, <laughs> is there any other business we need to get out of the way before we introduce tonight's guest and have some fun and find out what she's doing? We oh. do have a faithful if there's time. Do we? All right. If we don't have time, we'll definitely do it next week. How's that? Roger that. Outstanding and the beautiful rain, which I can't do anymore. Thank you, Crohn's and Iraq. Anyway. So yes, last week we were supposed to have a guest. We couldn't because she said, fuck you guys. I heard your show and I don't like you. And then she was like, you know what? I don't want to let everybody down. So she decided to come on tonight and she is from bad habits. Her name's Deanna. I don't want to fuck up her last name. Cause I almost did earlier. Miss Deanna, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. And it wasn't that I didn't want to be on. I just had more important things to do, like clean up the shit from my dogs. You don't have to lie. Here. You don't have to lie. Here. Dog shit okay. overrates D. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, we're lower than shit. She just proved it, everybody. She just proved it. Our own guest right here on Barracks Talk, September 23rd, 2023. Write it down. It's one for the record books. Uh, now you have your title, the, the podcast that really stinks. <laughs> A dog shit show. There you <laughs> See, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Right. DV Radio, another shit show. Uh, before we uh, dive into bad habits and what that's all about, if you wouldn't mind, you are a veteran. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your military career and letting all of those that's listening know that you are an actual uh, retired service member? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I joined so that I wouldn't go to jail. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, we don't judge here. I like mean, so many of us. I mean. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I was born in Mobile, Alabama, moved all around because my mom, uh, was in the army. Um, and one of her last, she was in the active army reserve. So one of her jobs in my 10th grade year was to be an army recruiter. So, I knew that I was doomed from there. Um, didn't have, <laughs> I, so I joined the Air Force to get out of, uh, Bossier City, Louisiana. And for those that know the area would probably join too to get out of there. Um, <laughs> so I joined, signed up, uh, four years of ROTC. I was one of the last fast tracks out to be able to, you know, you go in for half the time in the Air Force, pick your job. Um, and, and you go from there. Um, so I did that and became an interior electrician and went to REF Chick Sands in England. Um, and started my job as the first female on a team out there called the Mirror Team and the only female. So it was a little rough in the late eighties. Nobody knew what to do with me, and I didn't know what to do with all these guys around, and they were old because they were in their 30s, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so I was just like, ugh, and um, got bit by electricity over there uh, because the 
they only ran the conduit up the wall, but not all the way back to the, the box. So I was being smart and checked everything and it said it was dead and it wasn't dead. And I blew my, thankfully for one time I had used my lineman's instead of taking and tying off the hot neutral with my fingers and blew my lineman's up. So I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I am done with this electricity crap. And I became an, um, because of where I worked, I had a TSSEI clearance. So um, I got transferred to graphic illustration. And when they explained it to me, I was like, oh, y'all are going to pay me to color in the lines. This is great. And then for a minute, I thought I was a Marine because they gave me crayons. But um, <laughs> we well, didn't eat them. Was, so, you know, <laughs> I thought about it. I mean, <laughs> some of the food over there, you know, is, and then I find out later that I was ex- supposedly exposed to mad cow disease. And I was like, oh, yay. Um, what does that mean? Do I get angry? They were like, I don't know. Do you like beef? Do you moo a lot? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, um, with my clearance, I did that and, um, got to work in a lot of different places, got transferred to 33rd fighter wing at Eglin Air Force Base right before the Gulf War kicked off. And my unit went, but I couldn't go because I wasn't, I'd only been stateside for, I don't know. 14 days before the, before the, the, the whole attack happened. And, uh, after that, I was stationed in Korea at Osan Air Base with Intel, uh, up on the hill and learned a lot of things that maybe I shouldn't have learned, but I love being nosy. And so I thought nothing gets worse than Korea, right? Yeah. They stationed me at Barksdale in Bossier City. <laughs> So I made a full circle back to where I was from at the time. And then I guess after I was also on the Air Force Taekwondo team. So after enough hits to the head, I took the high year tenure to get out and turned around two days later and joined the Army Reserves and spent my my last 10 years doing that and uh, found out I don't like tents and I don't (laughs) like porta potties. So was Army Reserve a result of the TBIs? Just just asking. Uh, possibly because the same recruiter, possibly because I didn't look at my contract when I signed it. And the recruiter was like, "Eh, I just signed you for 10 years. And I said, why did you do that? He says, because when you were a senior in high school, you wouldn't sign with me. So I got you back. And I'm like, oh, crud. I was like, man, why did I should have known the name? I should. But, you know, it was one of those. I was like, you guys hold some really bad vendettas and everything. I was like, this is okay. So, yeah, I became an 88 November transportation coordinator and um, found out real fast when we went out to Yermo that I don't like tents and I don't like the heat and I don't like the sand and I definitely don't like porta potties. So I said, hey, how do I get out of my job and get into hotels? And they said, well, he'd become an instructor. And I BS my way into it. And I think I'm the only instructor in the Army Reserves or anything that has had never done their job in real life, but taught every reservist how to do their job. So I read from a book. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I couldn't have been a real army person because I could read. I don't <laughs> I don't know. Marines can't read. I, I, I could read pretty good. So I love yeah, you. Well, dog. <laughs> I mean, the Marines can read. It's just arc, 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 arc. So, you know. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, my dad was um, a medic for the for the Marines, so in the Navy. Uh, so yeah, I've got I've got much respect for um, the Marines. I've got much respect for everybody but the Space Force so far. Um, I've never met somebody from the Space Force. That's probably why I don't have respect for them. But you know, even the Coast Guard people, I kind of respect, especially during hurricanes. Nice. Yeah, the, the Navy corpsmen are the shit. Yo, God, yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. I actually had a great grandpa in World War One. He was uh, Army, and then my grandpa was in World War Two in the Marines. It was, it was oh. weird. Yeah. Then I had an uncle that went into the Army in Vietnam. I've got his boots. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. The the old good, where uh, Goodyear done the uh, the the soles of the of the rubber and all. It's got the Goodyear uh-huh. stamp on the bottom of it, and it's got his social security number. We're in his writing on the inside. It's steel toe boots and all that good shit. It's a it's a nice little. And I've got my uh, my grandpa's butt pack from uh, World War Two. Anyway, I have so many questions about that. But is it like a fanny pack? Uh yes and no. It opens up all the way. Uh, it's got a little ammo pouch on the front. Which okay. was usually used for cigarettes or dip or uh, back then stuff. Um, but it's <laughs> it's probably if you open it all the way, it's a square with round corners on the bottom. And it's probably about the size of an average body. So about a foot, foot and a half, give or take. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty good little keepsake I've got. Okay. That's still interesting. I mean, I don't know how I got it. I really don't. I, I just know that it was in my family and somehow I got a hold of it and I got a hold of my uncle Jones, uh, boots and I, uh, broke the state and got my grandpa's medals. That's, that's all I know. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, wow. No, those medals are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could get my yeah. great grandpa's, but I can't because we've got different last names. <laughs> which is which, which makes it hard on me because he was a Goins and I'm a Wood. So, but I've got my grandpa's. So, yeah, but I mean, there should be ways. I mean, to be able to do that, I, I don't know. Um, if, if you can find out what they what they are, I mean, you could buy them yourself and, and build a rack. I'm not gonna buy something the fucking state or the fucking <laughs> government was supposed to give him. Recoil, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm cheap. <laughs> well, I, I, I actually I have my I have my grandfather's medals. That's awesome. Um, one one of my two grandfathers. Uh, the, but anyway, I I have his medals from Korea. And I actually thought about you you know, they have a I think it's called miniaturemedals.com, but there's a yep. website where you can get miniature versions of all the medals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're about the size of a, of a dime, maybe a little bigger. Yeah. Um, but I, but I thought about actually building a rack of, of his medals for every of them, every member of the family that's interested. Yeah. Um, that way they have, and I, and I can, I can, uh, you know, make photocopies. I have all of, I actually have all of his correspondence between him and my grandmother for the entire duration of his time in Korea. So which awesome. is pretty awesome. I, I want to get that all scanned and compile it and, and share that with the family too. And you know it's funny, and I'm I'm sorry I'm taking away from your time, Deanna, but I promise no. we'll get back on track. <laughs> Reminiscent <laughs> nostalgia. Um, my great grandpa was born in 1891, and he's the only one in the family that I know of that we've got something 
from. It's, it's, it's weird in a way, but at the same time, it's like, I've got that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. So, so what is, what is bad habits and, and what is your mission? Oh, okay. So bad habits is a tip of the hat to all of us in the military that walked out, um, that got out of the military and we, and we still have bad habits, uh, from the military. So it could be anything from, you know, like the way we put our shoes under the bed to the three fingers between the hangers to the three fingers or the one finger salute that we give people to everything. It's our bad habits. And I started it because as a veteran myself, I'm in the film industry and I found that acting helped me with my PTSD. Uh, where else can you play a loving mom one day and a serial killing nun the next and get away with it all? So um, <laughs> it was very therapeutic for me and became a coping mechanism. And I went from there on to starting my own production company, Bad Habits Productions, and wanted to hire 60% of my casting crew to be veterans, but noticed that in Louisiana there wasn't as many veterans that were in the film industry. So I knew what it did for me. So I started two years ago, I started Bad Habits Organization, which trains veterans for free and anything in the entertainment industry. Um, we use the local professionals here. If it's a, if it's somebody to teach guitar, we do that. Uh, we pay them through the organization uh, to teach. And then if you have a uh, director and he needs a first AD or a second uh, first, first AD, second AD, any of that, then, then they have a pool of people to, pull from because they've trained all these veterans and then because in this industry you've got to know somebody to get in basically into you know something more than background extra so uh they would be able to have a foot in the door either by me or other people and um it, that all costs money uh <laughs> so, so what, what is what is your your recruitment method and, and like how how would People, you know, how do you reach out to people or how would people reach out to you that are looking to get into that industry? I my recruitment method is social media, um, going to a lot of the Louisiana veteran groups, uh, getting out on the rants and raves here in all the, the parishes or word of mouth. Um, it's it's kind of rough to do it because being a new organization still under three years, they usually a lot of people are like, oh, well, there's all these other veteran organizations and things that we can give to. And we don't understand what's going on and why why would we need them in the film industry? And I said, well, you know, we film a lot of stuff down here. We of course, we did NCIS New Orleans. We filmed the latest uh interview with the vampire television series we filmed the winchesters which is the prequel to um supernatural got the, yes thank you I, yeah <laughs> Here to help. see there went i was like I, it's psychological or something so you know and yeah, then you can we see dean's that, face uh, you can see yeah, everybody's face but you, yeah i can see i can see <laughs> dean's face yeah um so then we went uh, they also, we also filmed National Treasure, the television series here and T, uh, Scream, the television series was filmed up in Baton Rouge. So, you know, there's a lot. And I just did a movie last year with Sigourney Weaver. I play, I was doing locations crew work for her film, um, Master Gardener. And we actually brought in caterers all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. 
And so I was like, wow, we, we bring them in from other other states because a lot of times we don't have enough people, whether it be catering or any of it. So that made me like even more into knowing we needed to do something, not only for the film industry, but for the veterans. If, if they have PTSD, there's many ways to, to cope with it from writing scripts to, uh, to just being a military consultant on a show. Like there's one called, there's a new Marine TV show they're filming down here. It was named the pink Marine, but they changed the name of it. Um, but they, they wanted a bunch of Marines for that or military that already knew how to march that looked young for the basic training. So, you know, you have a lot of things and, um, the, the best part is the film industry structure is so similar to the military that you, it's an easy transition. And when I got out of the military, I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, that's one reason I joined the reserves. And then after the reserves, I definitely didn't know what I was going to do. So that, that made a difference. And to be able to do this and to have a 90% disability rating with 10% individual unemployability, I was afraid with the acting and everything, because I'd work every year for just a just a little bit, I was afraid that I would lose my individual unemployability. And they said, no, um, because this isn't considered a promote, promotable job. And um, it's not full time. So, like you have professional bass fishermen that are veterans that uh, go out and once or twice a year make 60 grand in a tournament. And they're on individual unemployability. I was like, wait, how do they make six? 60 grand. I could do that. And they said, yeah, you got to be outside in the sun and fish. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't do that. So, you know, (laughs) it was just this whole, no, that's outside. It's not air conditioned. And, um, you have little squiggly things you have to put and you grab fish. That's all. No, all of that (laughs) speaks terror to me. So, um, I, I don't, yeah, I'm not good with stuff like that. I will probably be the worst survivor of the apocalypse ever because I will be like, just, I just screamed. I'll be like, I need a real toilet. I need air conditioning. I need Wi Fi. Just I'm, don't. I'm sorry, touch this me. toilet does not have a bidet. <laughs> right? Uh, sorry. What I'm supposed to use what leaf and that, which one is the wrong one? So, yeah, I just. You know, when I went to uh, AT, the one time I went off to summer camp at Yermo, my uh, summer camp commander had nicknamed me within two days, Private Benjamin. So I and I tried my best to live up to it. Um, and for like, you youngins, if you haven't seen that movie, look it up. Yes. <laughs> Probably right now the better one is Private Valentine with Jessica Simpson, Um which I was in with her, but uh, you only see the backside of me, which, <laughs> I mean, hey, at least something got paid. Uh, <laughs> and I made $800 to throw underwear in her face. That, all of 30 seconds. Better than only fans, right? <laughs> it could have been. You know, what's funny is it's the backside. I didn't tell my friends I was in it, and uh, I was in my BDUs in it. And I get these screenshots because they saw it on TV or something. And I, I got these screenshots of, we know this, but. that's what you get out of this not hey good aim nothing but we know this but so yeah but but the you know i was there all day but i got paid eight hundred dollars for literally two minutes worth of work 
Nice. Felt like a rich prostitute, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have, I didn't have to give anything up. I was going to say, except you didn't have to work. Um. <laughs> I sat in a trailer all day. Right. I mean, you know. Sounds like my uncle. He uh he had a small little role in the Peacemaker with the oh what the hell's his name George Clooney. Uh huh. And he he was a extra where he drove a cab and he slammed on the brakes a couple times, sticks his head out to the window and he goes, "Come on, you know, five oh. seconds of fame and got three hundred seventy five dollars." Woo! Yes, he was a featured extra. <laughs> exactly. Heck yes. Yes, and that's you know that's the fun part is you can be a background extra. We always need background extras um for everything that we do. And you get paid like 125 for 12 hours of being there, being there. But you may only work 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there. And the rest of the time you're sitting in, hopefully in an air-conditioned spot. Sometimes not, but they have snacks and you just sit and eat all day. I did that for, um, for, um, oh God, what's his, Burt Reynolds. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot his name. Uh, but I did it for his move, his uh, DVD movie, Deal. And I was in a casino all day, and I was background until he rubbed me up and down my back, and then I moved to background extra. So, <laughs> um, but I got paid like a hundred dollars to sit there all day at the casino and eat, and that's that was the first time I got to sit back and watch crew work, and I really enjoyed it. I was more interested in what the crew did than anything else. Um, and so I was just figuring it all out and really enjoyed it. And, and that's kind of, that was my first experience dealing with crew because, uh, you know, every other time you're shuffled around or you're not allowed to talk to people. And, uh, I had a 20 minute conversation with Burt Reynolds, even though he was filling my back up and down, but it was, it was fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of an odd one. But then, you know, I got into, I worked on, t on screen, the television series in Baton Rouge's locations and, uh, trial by fire and really enjoyed it and started doing locations work for the film industry and scouting. And that's how I ended up on Master Gardener as a locations assistant manager. And, um, was, we filmed up in St. Francisville and that was amazing to work and, didn't really get to communicate with Sigourney Weaver or any of the other people, but the people behind the scenes were amazing. And I really, it just solidified. I like doing the low man on the totem pole job of, you know, it's one of those locations is needed, but nobody wants to see them until they need them. And we work while the film industry works 12 hour days, locations is there an hour before and however long it takes to lock up. So it's a 14, 15 hour day. We get paid the same as the rest of the crew, but we also work longer and take care of things like picking up the trash, securing the location, um, making sure the toilets don't overflow kind of stuff. But I, I really love it because it's, it's a hardworking job and I can, I look at everything and I'm able to go, okay, this needs to be taken care of because this could become a safety issue. And that's where my military training comes in is that, you know, we all look, we know our jobs in the military, but at the same time, we're always looking out, have each other's six and then turn around and are able to look to see if we, if, is this going to be a safety issue? Right. And what's our, um, uh, 
what's our contingency plan if, if this happens? So it, it's one of those that you're trying to preempt the issues. And that's where locations comes in again, because everyone else is like, well, I don't know. And you're okay, let me try to figure this out. And, and, you know, that's what I like about it. And then it was just wanting to, to start telling veteran stories. And so I ended up moving up to owning my own production company and seeing that I needed, I needed people to work with me. Um, and I want to work with veterans. I would rather work with veterans and it doesn't matter if, if they're disabled, if, if they've lost both legs or they're whatever the deal is, if they've got TBIs, we have editing, we have so much in this industry, we can use people, we can use medics and worse. And if they are like, I don't want to speak on camera. Okay. Well, I can put you as a background extra for the day or, or something. I can put you in accounting. I can, there's so much that can be done. And I will, and I'm one of the few that would be like, Oh, you've got a VA appointment. Okay. Just let me, we'll get you, you know, you're good for the day. I'll make sure you're, you can get to it because that's the other thing in the film industry. If you get sick, unless you're going to the emergency room, most of the time they're like, nope, got to be here. And so it's, it's, it's a rough but loving job. It's one of those when you get to see your name, even though it scrolls past at 25 miles an hour. Um, <laughs> a friend of mine was flying to Singapore and just so happened Master Gardener came on and she didn't see, she fell asleep through the whole thing, but she woke up for the credits and saw my name and she was like, it was well worth the $25 sleep through. So, I mean, it was just, you know, I was like, oh, crap, my name's in there. Uh, there goes my hidden uh, witness protection program situation. <laughs> well, you, you, you touched on something that I, I want to make clear to everybody. <clears throat> and for those that are just tuning in, it is Barracks Talk. Uh, we've got Deanna from Bad Habits Productions, uh, nonprofit 501c3. Um, I want to make sure that everybody knows you're not SAG-AFTRA. So you, you no. don't have to conform to these union and, and I, I know people love unions. That's great. You know what? Good for you. But at the same time, unions can be just as bad. And mm. right well, now yeah. unions are just as bad for the film industry but as it's they not, are for Actually, it's else. not the unions. It's right. the, it's the big movie producers. So what's happened is the, the, the writer's strike happened because your writers on television shows or anything are getting paid for that season or that episode. Well, when it's in rerun, like some of these older shows are, they don't get residuals from that. So they were, and sometimes they're, they're asked to work nonstop or to rewrite on, on the fly. And so a lot of times they get yelled at and things like that. And all they're asking for is to be treated equal and equal pay. And they're not getting it. And then you have SAG after, which I'm not, the reason I'm not is I don't work on enough programs, but I'm also in a right, uh, uh, right to work state. So there's no reason for it here. Now, if I was in LA, then yes, or New York, then yes. Or if I was doing a lot on TV or in the movies, then yes, of course I would be because of the benefits of it. But here I don't have to be. And, and the reason we, we're on strike one in support of the writers guild. But because, you know, we can't act without writers. Um, and then also we don't, us and crew don't want to work 12 hour days. Crew, it is so hard for them to work. You know, you got to remember they're working hard for 12 hours and a lot of your actors are working hard, especially on the TV shows. So just even asking to bring it down to 10 hour days 
the the companies and these big wigs don't want to do that. They they if they could work us twenty hours a day, they probably would. Now they're great. Some of them are really great. Some are really bad. But the strikes are there to try and benefit the people that are working. And I I wholeheartedly get it. Um, It's a dangerous for our crew. It's dangerous working. We know working 12 hours, what it's like Uh, a lot of our crew that are dealing with, you know, we wouldn't ask uh, a crew chief to go out and arm a B-52 after 12 hours of working uh, on their feet and everything. I don't think that we would in a war, maybe, but you know, it's, it's just, it gets, Things happen, and yeah, look um, at Baldwin. Right <laughs> now, that that's a whole other, that's a uh, whole other story that had a lot of this is going to happen situation, and a lot of people in production in the producers' uh, realm that ignored a lot of things, and I think that's that's why when we have actors and crew that go up and become producers and directors and higher up that there's a little bit more respect because they understand where, where everything started and what needs to be done. It's like the director for my first film wants to do eight hour days. And I was like, I don't know if we can pull that off because that means longer, longer time filming, but I'm good with 10 hour days. If we can get eight hours and that's, and, and call it quits and I'm even better with it. But you know, there's, I don't, I, think, I don't know. My thing with independence, right? And mm-hmm. I, you know, Hollywood is great as for benefits. I'm not going to deny that at all. My thing for, uh, for independence though is you have so much freedom, right? You're not, you're not in this, in this box where you have to do this because of this, this and this. You're making mm. what you want to make more than what I think the audience will. I, I'm going to tell you right now. I've not watched too many Hollywood movies in the past 10 years just because it's the same. It's it's the same bullshit. I've got more independent movies in the last 10 years under my belt watching that. I had rather pay 20, $30 for if I went to a movie theater than I would a Hollywood movie. And that's even including all these Marvel and Avengers and, and shit like that. Um, not saying I don't like my, my, my superheroes. I like my superheroes, but it, it's, it's just well, yeah. so, yeah. It's so with independence, a lot of it, um, we do do a lot of independent. It's the budget. When you hit the budget, then things start changing. Well, you're right. ultra low budget or you're this budget. And when you hit a certain budget, tier one or whatever, you do have to go kind of sad, which is. Right. Which is fine. I, and, and everything like Mark Ruffalo, uh, said he would rather see during a strike like this, he would rather see the actors and, and crew get together and form their own production companies and do their own thing. And I'm, I'm behind that 100%. Um, you know, when you've got a good thing going with your cast and crew, then, then you run with it. Yeah. Including and, the writers. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the whole thing. Like, that's why they have the tax credits. Yeah. yeah and that's, um, that's one of the things that, and it's not, it's the film industry, it's the music industry, it's the whole entertainment industry. Yep. When people come in and they're new and they're fresh, they are so happy to have a contract that they don't really even look at how good or bad that contract is or don't realize how badly they may be getting fucked. Like you said yep. about like residuals for, for, for writers, 
for shows that are, you know, that may run for 30. There are shows that have been on on simulcast for 30 years. Yeah. Right. And right. these people are not getting paid for this. And I think right. that also you know, another thing that's misconstrued is people think, oh, they want 20 percent residuals. No, just a percent. I would be happy with if I was a writer well, and that well, and show if if, went for 20, 30 years. Well, yeah. And if and if you're a, a background contributor, yep. like not everybody is is an A-list actor or mm-hmm. actress or, or a stage musician, but all of the other people that are involved in our contributors are very important also, and they deserve their pay, their due. So don't yeah. never undervalue yourself if you're in one of these industries. Yeah. And another and, thing that you know, people, yeah. I'm sorry. Another thing that people are thinking is that these actors, these writers, these extras, the crew, are wanting residuals because all oh, these are multi-billion dollar companies. First off, that's that's far from the truth. Like, yeah, they're multi-billion dollar companies, but they could go down tomorrow just because of one bad production. We all know that. Oh, We've seen it happen, right? Oh, absolutely. The it thing does. is, uh, the thing yeah. is, it's it's it needs to be in the contract that once we make this profit, and if we make that profit plus whatever, everybody gets a percentage, right? Whether it's up to a 50% for everybody on crew or, or whatever, that's all they're asking for. And they're not asking for $250,000 from here on out to the fucking day they die or for right. 75 years after they die for copyright reasons. Like they're not asking for the fucking bank and the world. Like they really aren't. I know. Yeah. I know the media is portraying it that way because when I seen it in the media, I just rolled my eyes <laughs> and I hate rolling right, my yeah, eyes. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's like, so um, usually crew and background extras do not get residuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I understand that, you know, there's just, uh, there's just, it's, it's, it's just not done, but to be able to to be able to eventually maybe if you're in a television series like they filmed claws down here and they needed some crap stealers and i went to my friends at the casino and i said they need crap stealers so here's where you apply and they ended up moving one of mine up to a featured extra with speaking roles um you know so that was great because she was like oh my god i can't believe this i've worked the whole season on the show people just want to be treated well um I've I've had people call me that were background extras on a on on a movie down here and they said, Well, we were in a tent and the tent had two inches of water in it and all the electrical sockets, all the, the extension cords were on the ground. And I was like, Get out of there now. And they said, Well, we're not allowed. I was like, No, your safety's first. You go and you get out. And they said, Well, the, the extras wrangler. I said, push them over. Get out. And then the tent flew off. And so um you know, that that was safety is my number one concern. I don't care if this is the thing we have to um, lightning within six, we have to shut down. But we know that lightning can hit 15, 20 miles away and travel through the ground. But we don't we it's a safety issue. We have to we have to, you know, uh, look at. But there are a lot of things that 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 we're doing um when i when i did private valentine my residuals slowly went down every quarter from 30 or 40 dollars down to i think they mailed me something they mailed me a check for two pence two cents yeah and i was like wow um 
which I'm, I was just grateful to have things like that. I don't think I cashed that one though. <laughs> I think I just laughed at it and maybe threw it away. Yeah. Recoil um, <laughs> and I was talked about this on the, on the show before, you know, it's people think these, <clears throat> these streaming services for music are just the greatest thing ever. And these artists are making all this music, but you've got a band with five members and you don't start making money until you got 10,000 plus spins, which is a listen for those that don't know. And then you've got to pay not only your manager, but you've also got to play, pay the streaming service nine times out of 10, something of that. And then you've yeah. got to go all the way down. And by the time it gets to each individual member, they might make a half a cent maybe right off of that one right. listen. And by the time they've played or had a million spins or listens uh, for, again, for those that don't know, they may have made a hundred dollars on a million listens. Like that's, right. that's stupid. That's, that's I, for lack of a better term, retarded. I'll say it. It's retarded. It is. It, and it it's, is. And, it's know, sad, it's especially in this world. Right. I mean, yeah. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we didn't have all these streaming services. And it's great that we do because more people are able to listen to the music. However, it's so bad that corporations are like, yeah, well, you got to pay for this, that, and the other. And you got half a cent, man. You should be grateful. Right. Really? Well, you know, you look <laughs> back at the Brady Bunch and uh Mayberry and all those they don't, they didn't get residuals. Yeah. All this stuff is still replaying. It was, I think it was the late eighties that they started giving mm -hmm. residuals. And even in commercials, you see somebody do a commercial, our bread and butter, when we do a commercial is the residuals you get off of it. If it goes national. Well, um, a good example of that, a good example of that and today's modern technology, AI, <clears throat> where we're using lookalike voices, uh, if you will or sound alike yeah. voices or, or look alike digital recreations of whatever. Um, you know, there was right. the big controversy with what's his name in star Wars, a big wake up in the eighties was Tom Waits where Doritos done a commercial where they had a song sung and they wanted Tom Waits to do it. And he was like, I'm not doing it. Cause he, he was totally against corporate. He didn't want his face being used to sell a product. Or his, his, his voice. Well, Doritos found this dude that sounded identical to Tom Waits. Oh, no. He hears this ad and he's like, you bitches getting sued. He won because yeah. it, I've heard the ad. If I didn't know that it wasn't Tom Waits, I was like, dude, Tom Waits done a Doritos ad in the eighties. He didn't fucking do it. And that's a big problem with technology. As great as technology right. is, it, it can hurt us in that in that sense, right? Like it can take away from someone's plate. It can take away from someone's family. And I don't think people understand that aspect as far as technology is concerned. Like I love the fact that we can go out here and do all this stuff with AI. It's wonderful. It's just like synth in the eighties. It was a tool, but it also took away from very amazing artists who could actually pay, play a fucking keyboard at the same time. Yeah. But yeah. as we've went on, we've learned that AI isn't that smart. <laughs> you can only do so well, much with synth technology, yeah, right? They've turned around and now they're talking about using AI for our background actors. And yeah, I've just, seen that's that. Ridiculous. I've seen because that because we have a yeah, we've had a lot of people that look. We just need normal people walking in the background. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing a lot of our background actors that haven't been and and they 
99% are just wanting to be on set because they're, they don't work full time. They're retired. It's kids, whatever it is. Um, they just want to be on set. And that little extra money is something for them. Plus it gets them out of the house mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's great. But the other, the problem that I have to explain to everybody is you're not going to be, um, discovered and boom, immediately be on to go for, you know, to go for something there. There's an old lady that started her acting four years ago and ended up immediately a year ago. She's one of the most recognizable people on uh, uh, Black Panther. She played one of the elders and that, you know, you have people that make it. I've been doing this since 2006, but I haven't forced it. Because I don't want to move out of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I like Louisiana. I don't want to sit there and have to work every day. Uh, you know, going through audition after, which is great. Now we get to do video auditions, but I didn't want to go out to LA where I'm one in 5,000. At least here, I'm one for my, for everything that I do, I'm one in maybe 500. Mm-hmm. So. If that much and, and it's all in who you know and what you do and work with, uh, my agents don't get paid unless I get paid. Right. So I have to, you know, whether I'm on a, a union film or not, and they're going to, they're going to fight for me and they're going to look at all the legal aspects and make sure I'm not being taken advantage of under any circumstance as far as my acting go. Now, when I do locations, um, I look at everything and I'm like, okay, well, I know I'm going to get paid what the rest of the crew gets paid, but I better have, have people working with me as part of my locations crew so that we're not working ourselves to death. Because I, I know I've worked on one set where I ended up working. I was getting paid hourly at that one, but I worked almost an 18 hour day and turned around and had to get up the next morning and go park cruise parking. But I had, you know, it's, it, it was a lot. And, um, I laughed because I was going to get paid hourly. And I, I told my manager, because I was assistant on that one also, I said, do they realize that we work minimum 14-hour days? And she's like, I mentioned it to them. Mm-hmm. But when I worked that <laughs> long day, they were like, what was she doing? Well, I was putting up the directional signs. And I couldn't put them up until after we moved from one location to the next. So I was putting them up in the dark on a busy highway. Right. By um, myself. I, I hate to, to bounce, to bounce back just for a second to yeah. <clears throat> to what Bo was talking about earlier. It's it happened long before AI. Man, look at Ray Parker Jr. Yeah. singing the, yeah. the theme song to Ghostbusters instead of Huey Lewis. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You you have so much that happens, and then you know, like for instance, they they won't use. Say J-Lo had, had her song, Jenny from the Block, thrown out into a movie. A lot of times they don't want to pay for that. Mm-hmm. So they'll get somebody that sounds like her and maybe change it to Benny on the Block. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you have a lot of that too, which it's hard. And I understand when you don't have the money or something, but when you turn around and put product placement, for instance, Heineken in James Bond movies, um, Heineken gets paid by the producers, by the production to put to be. So when you have product placement, you pay as the producers to put that product in there. 
And so you're paying a ton of money for anything you see Coca-Cola at the bars. If you see, if you see name brand alcohol, things like that, it was paid for to be product placement. Yeah. The California um, raisins tried to sue, uh, what's his name of back to the future because they paid like a million two, a million five for product placement. The only time you see it is when the homeless dude at the end is laying on the bench and you see the California raisins and they're like, we weren't even featured. You're right there on this big ass bench, but yet right. they sued because they weren't throughout the movie. Right. That's, yeah. that was their thing. But you know that I'm happy. Like when I do productions down here, even my short films, if I'm using a restaurant, I may not be able to pay them, but 100, $200, because let's face it. My budget is like yeah. nothing on a short film. Mm-hmm. I will say, look, can we take and shoot outside video of your business and we'll put that in there yeah um we did that for a short film that we shot for the louisiana film prize a couple years ago and then i turned around and i used it uh when i did a short film here we went out to a place called acadian village which we use their church but we put a special thanks in there for them and and everything so we showed the church on the outside everything like that and it's just it's a matter if if i can film something and use the location and and advertise it, then great, let's do it. Man, well, speaking of funds, awesome. I, know, I know you said you're a 501c3, the Bad Habits yes. organization. What yes. do you have coming up to help raise funds okay. that was so time sensitive in, in us getting you on either last weekend or this weekend? Right. Because, well, one, I had I, I was like all on you guys about please, please pulling that whiny stuff. I should have been a Marine doing that. But um, <laughs> I so we have I have the organization, Bad Habits Organization. It's been open for two and a half years. It's hard to get funding. So everything that the, the object of doing this fundraiser for it on September 30th is one to raise money for the organization, not just mine. I have two others that are in, that I've decided to give to from it and to get recognition. So at my fundraiser dinner, the Lieutenant Governor donated him and the Louisiana Seafood Board donated 200 pounds of shrimp already deheaded, deshelled and deveined. Um, to the, to this, which is $2,500 worth of shrimp. Um, so that was donated by them. The lieutenant governor is a big advocate for veterans and the film industry. Then, so now not only do I have that, but we also have an online auction and then we have stuff in person and a lot of things going on that night, which it's, it's great because the, the fundraiser is meant to be able to buy things that are needed. Uh, computers to be able to edit on, to be able to write your script, to be able to do, uh, your production on, uh, cameras, because you can't expect a veteran to go out and buy a $2,500 camera when they don't know if they want to be a cinematographer. So all of this I pay, I have to pay for, or I don't have to, but I do to supply them. And then we pay for the instructors to come in from the local industry to train them and, so I have to get all the equipment and I've reached out to these uh, camera places and to like a, a Dama and Sony and all of them. I've reached out to them. I've reached out to computer places, everything. Look, give me your older stuff, the stuff that is out of date. Give that to me. Give me your refurbished. I will take that. And so far, none of them have done that. So 
I have to raise the money to purchase everything, including the software. And, um, you know, when you add that up, it, it comes out to like a lot of money and then to pay the instructors to come in. And we only teach on the weekends because veterans have things to do during the week. They have their appointments. They may have part-time jobs. They may just not want to come out five days a week. So we do it on the weekend just for a couple hours each day. And then they come back the next weekend. They do have, they do sign a contract to finish because it's the instructor takes time out of their personal schedule to do this. So if they don't finish the course, then they owe us back the money that we paid for them to take the course. Um, But, you know, this is, this is why it's so important because it's getting the word out, but it's also, it's, it's also having people involved and seeing, okay, we have veterans, we have a support. um, They need to be able to do this. And then like, the online auction, it's, it's helping the Louisiana honor flight that takes veterans for the day from Vietnam, Korean War and Vietnam to, um, or from World War II, I'm sorry, World War II, Vietnam and Korean War to, uh, DC for the day to visit the memorials. And that's free to those veterans. And I flew with them last year to video it. And I saw that, wow, they couldn't take all the veterans they wanted to because they didn't have the money. And they have to, and then the guardians have to pay their own way, which is $400. So it's, that became a passion of mine. And then the other, like 5% goes to them, 5% goes to the Louisiana Women Veterans Funeral Fund because our women, these women veterans travel all across the state to go to women, women veteran funerals and present the colors if nobody's there to do that, um, to read poems about and just to be there to show their support for uh uh for the for the women veterans and that's important because we're losing people don't realize that we had women veterans in World War II all the way back to the American Revolution and it's not recognized and so this is that was dear to me too because I I've I've you know I me and my mom are veterans and, and that is important. So 5% goes to those two and then 90% comes back to the organization. And that's on the online auction that we're doing. And that runs from the 25th here shortly in a couple of days to the 30th, correct? Absolutely. So it'll go up um, on the, on the 25th, the link will go up where people can bid. And Oh my God, some of the things we have like a riverboat cruise with Natchez, uh, the Natchez, Riverboat, uh, I think it's Natchez Queen, and they have a dinner on there and they donated that. They, you know, you have, uh, I have a veteran that, that makes, uh, jewelry and she put the Star Spangled Ban- Banner notes on a bracelet and donated that. I have, you know, there's so many different things. It's so different stuff that was donated. I had a Faubarge, I think it's Faubarge or Faberge brewery down in new orleans donated uh four cases of beer and i never even knew they existed and um they said well you can't wrap you can't online auction it off and i was like yeah no it has to be in person and um so i'm like okay well i can give it away as part of some of our gifts that we do but yeah there's so much going on that i just want to make it entertaining i want i want people to see that hey 
there's so much that veterans can do. And, and that's the thing, whether you work crew or background or anything, when you work on a commercial, you work on a film, you can, you can say, wow, I helped that come together. And people don't realize that our crew and even our background extras are so pertinent to a story. You know, how good, how good would the friend's coffee shop be if you didn't have people in the background? Yep. Um, we we did have a sort of a question there in our chat. It's curious to what programs are used for film editing and then a special application for project management too, they assume. Uh, so, oh my gosh. So we have Adobe Premiere. We have, uh, Sony has a program, uh, Final Cut for Apple. There's so many different programs that you can use, uh, that so many different editors use because they're comfortable with. I know I don't really do a lot of editing except for auditions and I just use, uh, Windows Movie Maker. Um, I don't know how well to use it, but you know, I can cut together my audition and send it off in a heartbeat. But it's, it's just whatever. Uh, and then as far as the other one, what was the other one? Uh, special applications for project management. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know the answer to that one. <laughs> that would be, that would be one when I bring on somebody that does the project management. I guess you would use Excel and a couple of other, uh, other programs like that. And usually you have somebody like, uh, studiobinder.com. And I hate, I'm not big on plugging people, but I do know Studio Binder has a lot of stuff and I, and I, uh, subscribe to that. And then you have, uh, some others. We, we end up, um, going out of to, to people like rap book or something and hiring our hiring some of those that specialize in just something like that. Uh, but I would rather have it all in house. If, if I have veterans that know how, how to do this, I'm going to hire them in a heartbeat. Uh, you know, especially well, if they were trained by people. So that's, that's, that's my push is I will hire veterans almost. I, if I have a first AD that worked with, uh, Quentin Tarantino and I have a first AD that's a veteran that worked with a lower production company. I'm probably going to go with the veteran, uh, because you have to start somewhere to get up. But also because of being a veteran, I believe in in giving the chance. It's like somebody said, well, your director for your first feature has never directed a feature. Well, no, but she's an award-winning short film director and all of this other stuff. And how is she supposed to get to be a director in a feature if she's not given that chance? And and that's that's how I look at it. And it is, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and it's even harder on females in the film industry. But Patty Jenkins is a great one. She she did a lot of stuff, but until she made uh, Monster with uh, Charlize Theron, nobody knew who she was. That was her breakout film. And here she is now directing Wonder Woman. Well, that's one thing I wanted to ask you or mention is that you are absolutely adamant on at least 60% veterans of the cast and crew. Do you want to explain yes. that for everybody? Cause I know somebody's going to be like, well, one of a hundred percent. Well, yeah. Um, I, Hey, I'll go a hundred percent if I've got enough veterans. Um, that's the one thing like you see where you get in the, in the film industry, a lot of the States have tax credits. The one thing you don't see for their tax credits for a lot of things is that you hired veterans 
And I'm going to be pushing that here to do that. But I have to understand if I can hire 100% veterans, I will. But hitting 60% is going to be hard, especially when they're not trained. Now, I do know through that there are some places that have like veterans in media and entertainment. They are great. They're out in L.A., but I don't have enough veterans here to fill those positions at this time. They have to be trained. And and that is why I can't. Now, hey, if if I get um, if I get um, somebody that's going to invest in my film and says it has to be 100 percent veterans and they can come from anywhere as long as they're here working on it, then I'll do it. And, and that's hard on an, as an independent film producer to find the investors I need. Yeah. But if, if somebody's out there rich and want, wants to give me, my first feature is going to be like $4 million, And that's a low budget. Yeah. But if somebody wants to pop in $4 million, then and they say it has to be 100% veterans, I will find 100% veterans. Yeah. I, I, I mean, also I'll, I'll pull you guys in. I also I also want people to realize we get the base for radio. You don't want us on film. Trust us. Uh, well, I wasn't I wasn't going to put y'all in front of the camera. You know. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. To, right? also, we do need people to do other things like uh, guard the area, tackle people. With uh, with what Deanna said, I also want people to realize there are some roles that some veterans just cannot do, and that's not because they can't act, but because it'll bring up something from the past, and you don't want to do oh, yeah. that. You do not want to do that's, that. Yeah. So that's the other thing that I plan to do, because I know with as a person who who struggles with PTSD, that anything can set you off and you don't know it can be a smell. And that's the one thing I want to do on my sets, no matter what it is. I want to have a therapist available. And nobody has thought about doing that because we don't know what will set us off. It can be a sound from a truck going by in the background. It can be a smell. It can be. Simple backfire. Yeah. You know, the only production that I know that has done that in recent times was Sons of Anarchy. And there was a lot of those guys that got so deep into their characters. They absolutely needed that. Right. Because, I mean, if you watch that show, you can tell some of them were in some hard places when they done those roles. Like, I don't know if I could have done some of those roles. In retrospect. Yeah. You know, you have to build the character and give the character life. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times you dive into their background. Like I have an acting coach here who says, give me your background from the day your character was born up until this minute. Yeah. And so I had to give dates. I had to give everything. And he was surprised. He's like, Wow, you came up and you went it like I went into everything that I did was leap year. So I looked up everything with the leap year yeah. and everything I coincided. He's like, I can't believe you went that far. And then the college you went to and all of this kind of stuff and what you did. And then you pulled in all of these veterans to be just people in the family and you named them all. And he says, um, why don't you write scripts? And I said, because I can't have that many voices in my head. Right. Um, but I, you know, that's the thing is that I have ideas. I, I research them and then I come up with like, I've got two, this first feature. And then I have another one right behind it that I want to do. And, uh, I have my friends write it. I research it and I tell them, I want to add this, 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 and this. And then they're, they're civilians and they're crazy and they write stuff. And I'm like, okay, um, Yes, we can add this person to be a veteran with Tourette's that when they came out of um, 
the gas chamber. They ended up with Tourette's. This is great. We'll throw that in there and have them saying stuff like bullshit all the time. Why not? Um, you know, so, so there are things that I give, I give people, I want them to have a lot of my characters to have military background because my movies, except for this first one, if I'm creating a movie myself, I'm an equal opportunity offender Mm -hmm. and I will definitely throw in some of the crazy stuff that veterans do or have done um, that people don't realize, you know, you don't have to be in war to have PTSD. We have our military sexual trauma people. We have people that were harassed. We just, anything can set you off to have PTSD and, and people don't, especially the VA doesn't recognize it. And you don't have to like, I have TBIs. But mine aren't caused for war. I was on the Air Force Taekwondo team. The point was to knock each other out with kicks to the head. And there's no way you you do martial arts for 25 years and don't have concussions um, and, and don't have injuries. But while I was in the military doing my sports, I got a lot of injuries. And I'm having to fight now just to get my disability rating for them because, unfortunately, the VA looks at it. Well, yeah, it didn't happen while you were in a wartime service. And, you know, it's not our veterans that are doing this to other veterans. A lot of times it's civilians that have been hired and don't understand. And and that's a fight, too. That's why I want to do the documentaries. But I know I couldn't do the documentaries until I've got a veteran crew because, what, 30-year-old's going to sit there and go, yeah, but you wasn't in war. So Mm -hmm. why does this affect you? Yeah. And they well, don't, you know, and then also I don't want to deal with that all the time. Trust yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's not just so, the you know, kids there, either. It's a right? whole situation. And it, that's the other thing. I have veterans that just want to write books. And okay, I know publishers. Let's get your book out there. Um, you're going to have to do more than just write the book. And that's the other thing is I have a lot of people that have written books and, and say, Hey, I think this would be, be a great movie. They don't understand. We don't just take the book and turn it into a movie and write the script, we have to change it around to where it, it fits to be an interesting movie. And, and so you have, you know, and then you have to give actors some creativity rights to be able to turn those characters into themselves. Um, I've been talking, I was in talks not very long ago with uh, uh, Brigadier General Rhonda Cornum. She was the female uh, major that was a POW during the Gulf War. Uh, her husband was my flight surgeon and I got to meet her when she repatriated and I found her very amazing. And I was trying to figure out what I could do. And I, I saw her on something and I was like, Oh my God, I would love to do her story. And I reached out and finally got a telephone call with her. And she had two or three productions that said that she was too strong in her, in her, uh, when she had her injuries that she didn't cry and that she was too, too strong. So they wanted to, to humanize her and turn her into this um, very sensitive female. And she says, that's not me. And I said, absolutely. That's not you. Um, so if we, I would love to do not just your part of your POW, but I would like to do your whole story. What turns you into, a, into joining the army? What turns you into being this, that, and what you've done afterwards, because she, the army asked her to do, a military mental health fitness fitness uh, fitness uh, training program, which has now gone into some colleges, and I think just that whole story, the interesting pa- facts in that, 
I would love to do the story. Well, I need funding. And I told her, I said, you would be on set every day. And, you know, there was talks about it. But again, I don't have the funding. I can't do it. But stories like that are amazing to get out. Um, People forget that when we go to war, that another side takes over us. That, you know, you have short five foot, one inch, 110 pound lady that is turning around and um, defending a bunch of injured soldiers that that are bigger than her and everything. I mean, we've seen it. Look at look at some of our our females that have done it, and then you have the, the men that are that do it too. So you yeah, know, it's, my wife is a whole four foot nine. So yeah, we know, and she, and she right? served twenty years with me, right, right alongside oh me. So yeah, <laughs> it's the mechanic short field, ones. So yeah, <laughs> see, it's the short ones that you got to be you got to be aware of and worry about because those yes, are the ma'am. ones that. That, yeah, they'll body slam you. And, and that's the whole thing. People joke, well, women shouldn't be army rangers. I'm sorry. If they do it, that's great. Should they be in other positions? I don't know. Uh, but give them a chance to prove that whether they can or they can't. Give them, you know, everyone talks about G.I. Jane. And look, Debbie Moore did a lot of training. She went through a lot of the training with, with the, with the SEALs and everything. And she was pretty buffed during all of that. Could she, could we have female seals? I don't know. That's not my position to say we could or but, but the idea that, that it was a great film to, to promote just like, uh, Top Gun was a great film to promote, uh, the military. All of those are great. We need more that are realistic. And that's what we've gotten lately are the realistic. Even, um, you know, it's, it's just a matter of, what was that World War Two one that we had out not very long ago? Uh, Dunkirk. I don't. I think it was. I'm not sure if it was Dunkirk or not. But the crew, the camera crew, one of the guys ran the whole entire thing basically with with the people, the actors that were running, and he had seventy pounds of gear on him, and they would switch out cameras or, or runners, and I'm, I was like, I was watching it, the behind the scenes, and. I was tired just watching the driver yeah. who had to, who, you know, had to do everything. And, and much respect to our crew that does things like this and, and has to figure out how to do it all. And much respect to our background extras and everybody that, you know, are involved in this. Look at Tom Hanks and Saving Private Ben, uh, <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. I wanted to say Saving Private Valentine or Saving Private <laughs> Benjamin. But, um, you know, they trained, they trained with the military to, to understand and to get physically fit and to understand everything that was going on. So people that make it as realistic as possible are very, very pertinent. And that's where our military consultants come in. You know, they, they have to make sure, okay, they're going to do this. Now, here's the other, this is a side people don't understand, especially a lot of our veterans, not in the film industry. Well, they wore their uniform wrong or they had their, they had their ribbons wrong. Well, there's a reason for that. We do it for, for national security. You can't, you know, we have, we can't say that everybody watching the film is a hundred percent wanting to see the best for America. So just having to change a few little things like ribbons or, maybe rank or give them an older uniform when that uniform wasn't in service anymore or something like that. We have to do that to protect, to protect our military. 
Yeah, because it's not, definitely not like a case of stolen valor. I mean, there's rules that we have to follow when it comes to that stuff. You know, you can't yeah. intimidate, you know, uh, uh, somebody that's in the service as, as well as you think you can. So, yeah, you, right. when you display somebody in uniform, there's going to be slight variances that hopefully most people won't pick up on. I mean, having a colonel rank and then some, st- you know, Major you know, staff sergeant slight you know stripes on the arm. That's a little that that's that's pushing it. Uh, but most for the most part is like you said the 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 ribbons well, are, are in they a different order. Staff or, sergeant colonel, or are they exactly staff sergeant? <laughs> exactly. But I mean, we we you have to push the boundary somewhere. But it, usually it's it's hopefully in the details, like you said, the ribbons or something that that's not as noticeable. Right. Yeah. You know, I think some politician one time said a uh, lieutenant corporal. And I was like, wait, what? So, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> when did now looking at the Space Force rank, I can see where there would be a lieutenant corporal. Uh, <laughs> at, <laughs> That's a whole and, other breed right there. I mean, <laughs> don't we already have the Space Command in the Air Force? So, and then the Space Force is just logistical. So I, I'm a little confused on their role, but. I, don't I like know. to play on, their, on their, their logo, you know, it was more like Star Trek than anything else that I've seen. Oh, my God. Have you seen their uniforms? It's not I'm not saying that our people going over to that are are bad. I think the idea of adding a new branch was not and especially when it doesn't introduce anything new Um, that that makes it a little bit harder. Can it work? Sure. I I don't know. We have not seen it at its full capability. I'm not trashing any of the people that have joined the Space Force, except for that that Lieutenant Kirk that's going to eventually make captain. But um, (laughs) there was actually a picture of some guy that's a lieutenant, and his name tag was Kirk. So that, I was like, wow, okay. I feel sorry for that one. But, you know, it's just... All of the things that, that we see, we know in the military and we make, we make fun of because I did that with Sergeant Bilko. I laughed my butt off watching that. That was before I was in the military or in the, in the film industry. And I was like, well, that's wrong and that's wrong. And now I see why it's wrong. Um, you know, who's going to take a tank down the middle of the Vegas strip? You just don't see stuff like that, but hey, it worked in the movie. So why not? Right. Um, if you're just tuning in live, badhabits.org with a Z, Zulu, yes. dot org. Uh, if you go over to fundraiser, you will find, uh, the casino night if you are going to be in that area or you can just donate. Now, just to clarify, hey, yeah. just to clarify the auction that you're having, it will show up, mm-hmm. uh, between the 25th and the 30th on your website, correct? Yes. So the link will be there and there's a lot of things that you can get. I'm still working on a few other things uh, to get for that. But if somebody just wants to donate $5, that's fine. Every little bit helps. Here's the other thing. Some employers will match your donation as an employee. So I had, I had a veteran donate a hundred dollars. His employer double matches his, his, um, uh, Donation, so they're going to give me two hundred dollars, and everything on this, on the donations, everything is tax deductible. So if you're a company that want to do that, or even if I need, even if somebody says, "Hey, we want to sponsor your organization and send you fifty dollars a month," that's a tax write-off. I will, 
I will take somebody that sponsors sponsors the organization for five dollars a month. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've I've gotten to the point of it's it's more about supporting the veterans than than anything else at this at this point. Um and that's all that that's all that matters. Nobody started a five oh one C three in order to get rich as far as the veterans are concerned. Mm-hmm. Um they do it because they love the veterans and they support the veterans and they see what veterans go through and the red tape we go through. And that's the other thing with my organization, when they're doing the film stuff, if they need help trying to get their benefits, I have people and just my experience alone, I can sit there and I can, we can write up there with the VSO, how to do this and what paperwork you need. Let's get a hold of your medical records. They're not going to, the, the disability people are not going to look at your CD of your medical records. You're going to have to print them up and highlight exactly what happened and and they're like they'll say like well you need a buddy letter because 40 years ago this happened but we need a buddy letter i don't even know i barely know what branch i was in and where (laughs) i was stationed during that time and you want me to find somebody that knew me i was strong how am i going to know anybody Well, if you were DV6, you were doing everything but the right thing. Um, but, uh, <laughs> before I forget, we were talking during pre-show and I do want to bring this up because you wanted us to bring this up because it yeah. is something that I think a lot of people, uh, could benefit from that or wanting to get into the film industry. But October 20th through the 22nd, you're offering a film training class. Can you tell us a little bit yes. about that and how people can get involved with that? Ooh, is okay. it in person? So it, is it, it is video? Uh, the director of my feature film is running it. We're going to go through the basics of storytelling, the script analysis and the structure. We're going to do the film structure, the crew positions, the job descriptions and the hierarchy of it because everyone's like, well, I just want to be a director. Well, there's a way to do it. Um, we're going to go through the camera, how to get the shot, the breakdown of the camera, the angles, the lenses, the shot comp shot compositions and the framing because that's the one thing you have to do when you're going to go film. You're going to, you know, I have to film this angle, this angle, and this angle. I also need to do a a wide shot. I need to do a mid. I need to do a close-up. Things like that that you don't think of and that the camera and the director have to go through. You have to know about the lighting. So we're going to cover that and what what kind of lighting is needed. Do we want bright lighting? Do we want low? Do we want to put a filter on it to make it look, um, black? not black and white, but, you know, with a little bit of a yellow or a tint. And then we're going to go through pre-production, which is just prepping and getting the hands-on experience in the various uh, departments. And like pre-production has a lot to do with locations too, because we have to, um, as locations, we, we have to read the script and then find the places and then bring the directors out and they'll be like, okay, yes, we like this. We want to do that. And then they have to negotiate price. And then locations again, takes over to secure the site, to do everything, to work with the property owners, everything. So this all encompasses things like that. They're getting their, getting the idea of where they want to be, what they want to do instead of, Hey, what do you want to do? I don't know. Okay. Let me, and I don't want to throw them into anything they're not interested in. And that's the thing about my, my production, my organization is instead of sending them, because people ask, well, can I just go to film school? Well, yeah, but still, you know, you go four years to film school, you're still going to start out low man on the totem pole. So 
as uh, with any job for that matter. I mean, right. Or career for that matter. Right. And, and people, you know, it, it's hard. And so at least I can give them the hands-on experience, get them in and let them go. I didn't want to accreditate my film school because it's like going to AIT or something. You went to basic. So you've got the, the, pure basic understanding of the military. Now you're going to get your MOS, AIT, um, uh, tech school, whatever, to specialize in your career. And from there, then you go to your job and you work on it even more. So that's the way I'm doing my film school. You want to work locations? Fine. That's what we're going to train you on is locations. You still need to know your the, the lingo for the walkie-talkie. You still need to know who has what position. You can't <laughs> turn around and Tell the director he's in your way uh, when you're carrying something. Well, you can. Something. You won't be there very long. You can right. be. <laughs> now, we'll be. Will yeah. people well, the be there's consequences if you do. Uh. <laughs> now, will people be able to do this yeah. via something like Zoom or will they need to be in person in Baton Rouge? They will. So we are doing we're doing a bunch of them in Baton Rouge to start with. But we also will be doing them in, in New Orleans. Now, the whole idea is eventually I've had people in Chicago ask me, Hey, when you get this up and running, let us know. We want to, we want to bounce off of you. And that's fine too. It's just to start the program to hit the basics of like three or four computers and software and cameras. I'm looking at 300,000 to start with. And then I need a hundred thousand each year because I got to bring the, the people in. If I bring in an instructor, I can't say, Hey, I want you to teach, um, but you can't ha- do anything on your weekend. So I have to be able to pay them an, an adequate amount for them to come in, but also to deny for them to turn down other jobs that they may get because they have an obligation. So I can't turn around and pay them. I'm going to pay you $8 an hour and you're going to work for three hours a weekend. That's And then they get a film job and they're like, yeah, I'm making 150 to 400 or 500 an hour. What are you going to do? So I have to adequately support them. And I'm not one on minimum wage. I hate that. I would rather uh, pay by the hour than, than say, okay, you're going to get this amount of money for the day. And then we overwork or we do something and, and you're required to do more. You're working in the rain or, or you're packing up and, and having to drive somewhere else. And, and the dangers of any situation I'm very aware of. So I have to be able to pay them a good amount. And that's where this comes in right now. Again, it's Baton Rouge and maybe New Orleans, but I would like to take it to North Louisiana because we have a film studio up there. Um, I'd like to get it out to other places. There are a few things that you can Zoom, such as script writing. But what I found with Zooming is people don't take it as serious. Um when you're doing a class, you, you're like, ah, I can miss this or I can, I can put, um, a screensaver up and not really take the class. And I know this because I've done it. <laughs> I've, I'm, I'm that person. Um, so I'm not, you're not as obligated when you can go by Zoom and you don't have that human touch, <clears throat> excuse me, of somebody sitting there and going, okay, now you're in final cut and you're doing this, but Yes, you missed this. So let me show you how to get to it. I took um, a semester of editing and I didn't know for the first three days how to turn on a damn back and and work because Final Cut, I didn't know all you had to do was, I couldn't even find the tower. They were like, there's no tower, sweetie. It's in the, it's in the uh, 
the screen. And I was like, well, how do I turn on the damn computer? They were like, you just jiggle the mouse. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Found out real quick. I don't like editing because I'm so particular about everything. If I'm directing, I am helping the continuity people because that's the worst thing is when you have a continuity flaw and that gets pointed out. It's different if you do it on purpose, but if you don't do it on purpose, it it becomes an issue showing that somebody somewhere wasn't attentive um, and things like that. So everything that I do, I do it according to what I think as a viewer should see. Uh, my, the, the weirdest one for me was Tiger King during COVID. Uh, I was like, this is a joke. This is not at the end. Ashton Kutcher is going to come out and be like, hi, everybody was pumped. Well, no, it was very, it was very real. And I was like, oh my God, who thought of this? And you know, that opened up the reality has opened up even more. The reality shows uh, and right now with all the strikes going on, people are doing the realities or they're pulling up. This is the other one I can't stand is um, they're remaking everything. Oh, yes. There's there's no originality. Or the anymore. prequels have, or the sequels or, you know, it's, I don't I don't mind the prequels or the sequels, but don't remake a, a, a hit. Um, don't remake Greece into the modern day Greece or something like that. I'm not while it could be interesting. You're taken away from the creativity of the actors and the crew and the writers on the original. And you're not going to make it as good as they did. There was something that was there. The chemistry well, too, that was even, there. even back in and the day more. when they remade movies like Scarface, for example, was originally in the 1950s. But when they remade it, there was something different about it. They actually made it interesting for that generation and generations to come. Whereas today, what can you honestly do with Scarface that's going to be brand new? That's going to make it interesting for tomorrow's. There's nothing. I mean, honestly, you can't do it. Red Dawn. They no. redone Red Dawn. I can't mm. bring myself to watch more than the first two minutes of it. I'm like, I'm done. I'm I, done. I have <laughs> not even watched the first Red Dawn because it was so good in the way it was done. Mm-hmm. Here's the other thing. You have a lot of writers with the Writers Guild that have sold their scripts to uh, yeah. production companies or something. And there's like, 5,000 scripts that are sitting there that nobody is filming. They fill up a whole office and they're just sitting there. And that's the other problem is, so when they do pull that move, that script to use, that writer does not get residuals from that. And they'll, and then they can change it up to a certain percent. If they change it, it's no longer that writer's creation. So they don't, they don't get recognition for it either. Yeah, I think it's like 20 or 25 percent. It's not that much. It seems like a lot, but it's really not that much. It's, it's not. It's real simple to it's do. It's not at <laughs> all. And that's the problem. Um, That happens a lot. That's why you have intellectual property. If I talk about a film I want to make and I've got ideas for it and I talk about it to the wrong people, they're going to steal it and they're going to run with it. Mm-hmm. And I can't say anything about it because that was... I was talking about it. So I'm very particular. That's why I use my friends to write my scripts and I make them copyright them or do something with them because I'm like, no, we, we have the script and you have to get it out to other people to read. So having them sign an NDA is, is non-existent nowadays. Um, You know, you just send out the script and you're like, okay, but you don't send it out to everybody. You, 
put it out to people you've talked to or people that that are involved with you on this stuff or that you trust and you take a chance with it, but you have all the proof that you had at first. Or you people that don't know an NDA is a, is a non-disclosure agreement. That means that you're not going to talk about or, or reveal what is going on to other people. Right. Or you could and pull George happens, Lucas yeah. and give everybody a different script, except, you know, on the day of shooting, you tell the actual actors what's going on and everybody's like, what the fuck? That wasn't in the right? script. <laughs> right. It was like, I think it was Mark Ruffalo. They had to give him a fake script. Yeah. Him and uh, what's uh, his name that doesn't Spider-Man. What's, what's kid's name? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he kept, you're talking. he kept Scar- screwing Scar- up. Like, poor kid kept screwing up. Carrie Fisher too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I understand it to an extent, right? You, you, you slip up, you get in the moment. I mean, we've done it here on TV. We, we get in the moment and we slip up and tell a secret that we're working on. But at the same time, if you've been in an industry for 20, 30, 40 years, really? You're, you're still fucking up that badly. <laughs> oh, like it, it, it boggles Some the people, mind at times, right? They, they just get excited, like Mark Ruffalo. Mm-hmm. I can see it. Look, yeah. hey, I'm going to be doing this with my character. The Incredible Hulk's going to do this. It's like, uh, okay. Right, uh, right. Well, there went that plot. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. But, you know, you have things like that that happen all the time. And it's like uh, the film commission, I'll, I'll be talking to them and they'll say, uh, the Baton Rouge Film Commission may say, yeah, well, we're going to, we're under an NDA. We have something that might come in, but we we can't discuss if it's coming in. And I'm like, is it a feature? Is it a television show? Is it a commercial? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not a commercial. Okay. So is it a TV series? Is it a movie? Mm-hmm. We can't discuss that. Right. How much is it going to be? And, and, you know, they're very close lipped on this, which is fine, except when we're sitting here trying to advocate for the tax incentives and say, look, this is the possibility of what we have coming in. When National Treasure shot here, all the people that it just the local hires alone, how much we we paid for the local hires. And that's the other good thing is that a lot of productions would rather shop at small shops for clothing. Um for furniture, things like that, that are unique to a mom and pop shop. They don't want to go to these big companies and, and buy stuff. They'd rather get something local, even if it's not going to be Louis, if the film or the television show is not Louisiana based, let's pull in. I don't know somebody who makes uh wooden swings and we'll, we'll get a wooden swing from them. And, yeah. and that's, what's important is that we're supporting the local economy. I mean, the guys that done Hunger Games, the first, uh, movie, they went down to Charlotte and had the guys that create the, uh, the welded seats inside of NASCAR's race cars for the jump ship where they get oh, out wow. of the, yeah, all those are actual NASCAR race car. What are they called? Oh, like, I know you know what I'm talking about. It's the seat that goes inside the seat, the metal template, the cage, the, it's, 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 it's sort of like cage. It's sort of like cage. Um, I call it a template because it's where the, the nice part of the seat goes into. Um, but yeah, they went down to Charlotte and they ordered like 30 of them, I think. And it actually gave back to Charlotte. Um, which was kind of odd. I was like, why did you do that? But I 
thinks um they also filmed a, a, a bit of it uh the uh the village where she's from all those white houses that's actually a place in north carolina as well which was really cool um yeah it's an abandoned that's, old, that's the fun you know. part like uh when they filmed i think it was north north and south they used in saint francisville we have um a plantation that was used for patrick swayze and people still come out to to visit it and mm-hmm. they have a couple of pieces from the from the movie that was there. That's the other thing is a lot of our props that are used get put in um in storage units for 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. And my idea, which I don't know if my director and my my investors will allow me to do, is hey, let me purchase this from the owner at fifty percent of the price, then I can give it back to the owner with a still shot mm-hmm. of it being used with the actors in that scene and the actors autograph that piece of, of prop that we use. And then they can either sell it again and we give it back to the owners. It's, it's a win-win because what am I going to do? Put it in storage and maybe 40 years from now, maybe use it again. If right. that, I mean, we've seen it. What you, you know, unless it's a big movie like star Wars or something, that stuff doesn't, the props don't get sold for anything. Mm-hmm. They usually get trashed. So why do we want to harm the environment anymore when we can recycle it or, or something? Um, and that, that's a big one to me too, is being able to say, okay, let's be economically smart here and do things a little bit different. And, and, you know, in the military, it was like, Hey, we got to get rid of all this money by this time. Let's go order 4,000 highlighters and, uh, <laughs> 3 million pens. And then, yeah, we've got enough to get a gold-plated toilet seat. So let's get that, too. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I saw so much waste in the government and not using anything. Or you'd use it once and it would get trashed. And it was just, no. if I could have just brought home all that copper from being an electrician, I would be rich and fund my own films today. <laughs> right. But, you know, <laughs> the things if I'd have just taken. Right. And even even when I was in the Intel squadron, the things if I'd just taken would be great today. Um, I know. But it's just those little things that you just look at waste not want not. And mm-hmm. and how can we how can we reuse or or benefit if I can put veterans Robin Williams did it. He required that they keep a hundred homeless people on set with him <clears throat> throughout the film or yeah. maybe daily. But it's little things like that. Okay, catering is done. We didn't eat all the all the food from catering. Take it to a homeless shelter. Well, you can't. Well, I'm sure we can. There's yeah. a way around this. Let's go down the streets and you see a homeless person. Let's give it to them. Yeah, I think it's that's what bothers as, me. That you know, the, break the, the rules until, until you're not allowed to break them anymore. And, and it's giving back to the community. And that is something that I am 100% big on because – I wouldn't have gotten into this if my agents hadn't reached out to me and said, Hey, we are, it was right after Hurricane Katrina and I had thrown a martial arts picture up somewhere thinking that at my age, I could be a stunt person, not realizing that at that age, you can't be a stunt person and, and stunt people train. And just because you're in martial arts, you're not a stunt person. So my agents saw it and they reached out to me and said, Hey, because of Katrina, they're talking about making Mortal Kombat 4 down here. Would you like to do something like that? And I said, sure, sign me up. Oh, I've been discovered. Yeah, no, that's not how it works, but I've been with them since 2006 
and I love them to death. They're like family. And, and one of my agents is a veteran. And so it's a veteran family. And they, when things have happened, they check on people down here. They're checking on their nationally and I think internationally known um, agency. And that's the whole thing. They treat everybody like family. When, uh, when we had the great flood of 2016 here in Baton Rouge, my house had ended up with five feet of water. I waited out at three feet. Uh, and immediately my, I had posted the water coming in and my agents reached out that night. Where are you? Are you safe? And I said, yeah, I'm safe. I've got the clothes on my back and that's it. And so I said, I don't think I'm going to be doing auditions for a while. And they said, actually, you have an audition coming up tomorrow. And I said, I, I, I don't have my equipment. Oh, no, one of our other actors paid for you to go to such and such studio to do your audition. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. And then clothes were donated. My, you know, it wasn't just me. There was other people and everything. So it was this whole thing of our agency is a family agency. It's a mom and pop. And and I stick with it. I will never leave them um, because I love them that much. They are always a part of everything that I do. They support me doing crew, even though they don't get money for it. They only get money when I act. Right. And so for me, for them to support me as crew, for them to support me as a producer means a lot to me. Will I use more, use their actors? Uh, they do get priority. The, the thing is, is that you got to have the chops. You've got to have the skills no matter what it is. And if they don't have the skills to pull the leading actor or something, then yeah, I, I'm going to look at ways to put them in because I'm the producer. I can do whatever the hell I want. Right. I'm, I'm like that general that says, screw it. We're going to do it this way. Right. And. I, I don't mind doing it that way. It's my, it's, it's my reputation, but I'm not in it. Yes, I'm in it to make money. That's a lie. I am in it to make money, but I want to ha- make the money so I can give the money. Right. And that's well, what the organization is about. I can make, you know, we've seen these big organizations, Red Cross and all them that the CEO makes, what is it? A hundred, 400,000 a year or something. I don't want to do that. I want to be comfortable. I want to have my house paid off. I want to not worry. I want to be able to go gamble and spend a thousand dollars a night when I gamble and not worry about it. But at the same time, I want to, and by the way, I do like the casinos a lot. So I'm just saying (laughs) they like me too. I pay their, their electricity bill, but I want to give back. I want to be able to say, okay, I did this for you. Let you, Went and you learned how to do this. You want to open a production company and, and go against me and, and, and challenge me? Fine. Let me help you open it. Let me help you beat me because that's, that's the way I did my martial arts school. I trained my students to open a school right next door to me and I told them, I want you to put me out of business. That is exactly what I want because that means that I've done the right thing and, and pay it forward is, is the most important thing. That's why. I'd started the production company to be able to turn around and say, okay, let me focus on veterans and their issues. And then when I saw that that was going to be hard because you need a lot of money just to do an eight month documentary, just in Baton Rouge and New Orleans, $64,000 for one documentary. And that's only working three or four days a month. So I knew I couldn't do that. So I said, okay, well, let me start training casting crew to be able to do this and we can work on it. And that's where that came into effect to be able to do this and to give back 
to our veterans and say, look, you are still worth something. Let's take your experiences, good and bad, and let's put them to use because let's face it, our kids today do not know what's going on in the world. They don't understand that our, our Gulf War veterans have Gulf War syndrome. They don't understand the burn pits. They don't understand, um, the people that went and got Agent Orange, nor do they understand that there are a lot of issues that we, that we were exposed to chemical, physical, mentally that are not being addressed. And I mean, you know, it, it's a big difference and, and it has to be put out there. Unfortunately, our politicians only care about us, care about veterans at election time. And they don't, some of them do fight hard for us, like Senator Tammy Duckworth. Um, there's a lot of them that really, really do fight for us, but they're, they're, they're the minority. They, they lose out and they get voted against on this in Congress. And it's going to take us as, as veterans, the civilians that are the constituents, it's going to take us to put the pressure on the Congress and say, this is how it needs to work. And this is what you're going to do, or you're going to be voted out because we care enough. We, we care enough about our veterans. We care enough about the homeless. We have got to fix this and things have to be fixed and you can't fix it all at once. So let's start with one thing. Let's start with something we know we can, we can fix. Let's start with our veterans who do want most of them do want help. And that's, that was the thing that was brought up was, well, how could a veteran want to live and be homeless? And I said, well, let's look at the red tape they have to go through. You bounce sofa to sofa, you're not considered homeless, according to HUD and, and a lot of things. Um, if, if, if you have a service dog, you can't go into a homeless shelter because you have a service dog. It's, it's ridiculous stuff like that that has to get out there. And there's, there's not even a, to my knowledge, there's not even a homeless female shelter in the nation. Um, for, you know, for our veterans to be able to go and get the help they need. And that's the other, you know, you, you go through all of these things. Well, they should ask for help. Veterans aren't that way for a lot of things. Um, or they've asked for help and, and they've been let down. So, you know, it's it's just one of those. I, it's just so much red tape we go through, and it's frustrating. No, it is. Um, I hate to cut it short, but we are running yes. an hour over. <laughs> um, ah! It's okay. It's okay. This is it great. Was, it's a it two-part was, series, right? Right. <laughs> um, we can for those that, that... We've got a little docu-series going here. Right. For those that may have missed it, Bad Habits with a Z dot org. Uh, September 25th through the 30th, there will be an auction that you can go check out on September 30th, Baton Rouge. They will be having a dinner fundraiser, uh, and you can get in on that if you're in the area or you're going to be in the area, uh, by going again to badhabitswithaz.org. And also October, um, 20th through the 22nd, 20th through the 22nd will be the film training class. Uh, and if you want to reach out to Deanna, uh, about anything, badhabits.org, all that will be in the description of the podcast. Rekill Oink Wardog, is there anything you'd like to say to Deanna? No, I just want to say, you know, thanks for coming on. Obviously, you know, some of the most creative people I've met have been veterans. So this is a right. great outlet 
for them to get into, you know, something they may not know that they're going to enjoy and actually make a career out of, you know, a second career right. out of. So, and, and it's know. therapeutic. It's very, exactly. I mean, you know, we even have spots for, for EOD. So, right. I don't uh, want to tell you something. <laughs> recoil. Right. I mean, medics, EOD, um, though, I think the only spot I don't have available is for, um, lieutenants. <laughs> they, they would get lost on the way there anyway. Right. Don't worry about that. <laughs> right. I know. Recoil, war dog. I've just been in awe by the listening to everything. Um, I, <laughs> Everything I, I even thought I, uh, had a simple grasp of understanding in the film industry. You just opened my eyes to and let me know I really don't know shit. <laughs> so I appreciate it. So you're going to come work on one of my films, right? I need a locations, uh, trash picker upper. No, <laughs> but you know, that's the thing is, that's the other thing is, is locations is low man on the totem pole. But I think every person that's working crew should start there because it gives you a deeper respect of what what happens because you see all, know all, but they don't recognize you until they need you. And then just work good. Then go to your thing, your the the position you want because I guarantee you, if you're picking up trash for twelve hours, you're definitely not going to throw it when you're working props or something like that. You're not going to throw a water bottle down on the ground after that. Right. Uh, recoil. Nah, I'm I'm good. Uh, it's been awesome. It's- Recoil scared now. Recoil's like, yeah, I'll just go eat the popcorn. I'm good. <laughs> hey, popcorn's delicious. No, thank right? you for thank you for coming on. Uh, I want to hear how everything goes with the auction and uh, the dinner when you guys do that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take pictures. I'm gonna try and get some behind the scenes videography of it and everything. Um, you know, so I'm I'm hoping it's good. And if if people don't want to do the auction. If they want to just donate five or ten dollars, hey, that's good. Why not challenge your buddies, your, your battle buddies? Hey, I'm going to put in five. Why don't you match me? Awesome. So you heard it here, folks. Bad habits with a Z dot org. Go donate. Help some veterans get in the film industry. Um, as always, let's wrap everything up and then we'll say our good nights and all that good stuff. Uh, recoil. Last thoughts for our live listeners and podcast. As always, be safe and look, keep looking out for each other, fuckers. Woohoo! Mr. Wardog. Yeah, so I joke a lot about the psych ward gang and my own hospitalizations and uh struggles with PTSD. But if you happen to run into any mental health crisis on your own, do not be ashamed nor afraid to dial 988 and choose option one. Again, if you happen to run into any form of a mental health crisis, do not be afraid nor ashamed, uh, as I wasn't, to reach out and dial 988, choose option one. Have a good week. Salute. 100,000%. Let's go to war. Mr. Wardog always likes to <laughs> yell out. Uh, Deanna, last thoughts for our live listeners and podcast. Um, You know, just... Keep on keeping going and um, follow your dreams, no matter what it is. You made it through the military, basic training. You can do anything you set your mind to. Absolutely. Mr. Oink, and then I'll do my spiel and we'll get on out of here. Get on out of here. That's right. 
Hey, have you heard at the beginning of the show, the Objective Zero Foundation enhances social connectedness and access to wellness and mental health resources to just about everybody. But did you know 18% of the suicides in the U.S. are veterans? And although veterans make up less than 7% of the population, 18 to 34-year-old veterans have the highest rate of suicide, but yet female veterans, yes, our female veterans are 250% more likely to die by suicide than our civilian women. So if you haven't done it yet, head over to objectivezero.org, download the free to, you know app for your Android or iOS device. Have that app ready when you need it, when your battle buddy needs it. It's going to connect you to the people willing to talk to you 24-7 about anything. So, you know, it, it's a great tool to have in your pocket at any time. So head over to, again, to ObjectiveZero.org and check those folks out. Also at Objective Zero, you can be completely anonymous. You do not have to use any real information. You can choose whomever you wish to speak with at any given time. And don't forget, dbfarm.org, we need to get that septic system fixed so we can continue the mission with helping our addicted and homeless vets. It's 25 grand that we need before the winter hits because then it'll go up because New Hampshire sucks and the ground likes to freeze up there, which means it'll be <laughs> 30, 40, 50,000 fucking dollars that we still can't fucking raise. So go help us, dbfarm.org to find out more information about that. Also, dvradio.net. Click on DV Radio Store. Six days for 20% off your entire order. PTS Dog, Betsy Ross, Sergeant Ward Dog, DV Farm, and DV Radio, as well as DV Against DV and Your Life Matters merchandise. Get it now. Uh, get your 20% off your order. Uh, I was trying to think. I thought I had something else, but I don't. I don't think. Uh, probably do. I'll put, I'll put it in a podcast if I remember it. Yeah. Uh, Rayons forget- are off 99.9% on sale at <laughs> evradio.net. Right. <laughs> if that was the case, I think Wardog would be, uh, he'd be full yeah. and happy. Yeah. He, <laughs> you got to try the orange ones, man. <laughs> the orange ones. I thought it was a green. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't forget Affinity Protocol every other Tuesday at uh, 8 30, 20 30 Eastern Standard Time here on dvradio.net from the Affinity Innovations Inc team uh if that's all for oink recoil war dog and our guest deanna from bad habits with the z i'm bonerwood you just heard barracks talk right here on wdvr dvradio.net until next week fucksicles bye-bye hit us up on facebook and twitter <laughs> bye-bye <laughs> that's all folks. goodbye